Hi, welcome to Mentality, where we are spilling the tea on stigmatized issues relating to mental health. Today we are talking about depression relating to OCD, PTSD, and anxiety. My name is Camera. My name is Zach. And joining us today is Adrian Carter. Hello, Adrian. It's weird to hear my full name. It's always weird to hear my full name. It's, <laughs> I can never get behind that. Oh, yeah, I can call you Adrian. Ad, yeah, that's, that'll work. <laughs> that's, uh, you don't want to be called Adrian Carter the whole time? Uh, yeah, first name basis. I think we're past that point. You sound uh, like a secret agent. <laughs> yeah. Adrian Carter, yeah, who knows? I mean, when I was in college, my nickname was Zachary Alexander Humphreys, author of Epsilon AR, so at least yours is a little bit short. Yeah. <laughs> and today we're going to be drinking forest tea from Tea Spectral. You can check this out at teaspectral.com. This one is a traditional blend of orange and cinnamon and juniper and sage. This one is named forest and it kind of smells like a forest too. <laughs> it really does. It feels like you're walking through a brisk path to enlightenment in it's the forest. It's got a nice mouthfeel. That's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to get a discount on this tea, um, you can go to dis uh, tspectral.com and type in mental, the offer code mental, and you can get 10% uh, off your next purchase. That'll be the first 100 people. So. Yeah, and let's just move right into Jump it. Jump right into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, today we're going to be talking about depression. Kind of how you balance a multitude of... Typically, on a, on a typical day-to-day, -day, like, obsessive-compulsive disorder doesn't hit so hard as much anymore. But as far as depression is concerned, I'll wait to sip on the tea there. I mean, you can I, feel free to have Take the a tea sip and then spill it. I didn't want to interrupt myself. <laughs> How dare you interrupt little yourself. Piece of Little piece of narcissism there. But yeah, so as far as depression is concerned, when it relates to other disorders like anxiety, OCD, and post-traumatic stress, um, particularly in my case, a lot of what happens is a numbing and immobility. So example being in the mornings, like when I wake up, my first thought is not usually positive. My first thought is usually, it's very like static numbness. Why, why am I awake right now? I don't need to be awake right now. I could be sleeping a little bit more. Unless I have a specific reason I am getting up, like if I have a meeting at 10 o'clock or something like that, that I absolutely have to go to, then I can get my brain into it because of the obsessive compulsive and anxiety because my brain won't let me cancel on things because I'm depressed, because it feels like I would be a disappointment and that just, you know, it all cycles into the, like, I can't be a disappointment like post-traumatic stress that I suffered as a kid. The, the waking up thing is uh, very similar to, to how I feel. I've, I've kind of tried to, to subvert that a lot recently because I found that if I can just lay in bed even if I, you know, I'll just do it. One of those big things that I, I, I wrote in my play and that I typically say is do what gets you up in the morning. You know, whatever gets you up in the morning is probably what you're meant to be doing in life. It's funny because it's taken me a long time to even get to that point of what does get me up in the morning. I, I don't like to wake up. I don't like thinking about things. Yeah. And it's it's not necessarily, I mean, of course I love sleep, but everyone loves sleep. But mostly for me, it's 
I I don't like thinking a lot. You know, my brain is always going at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't oh, like thinking a lot, but that's not a thing you can help. Yeah, exactly. No, you can't, you can't exactly. really stop. Exactly. It's kind of the, the, uh, the elephant, you know, the, the yeah. white elephant. Um, the elephant in the room. White elephant's like the $5 gift thing. Yeah. The, well, that's, that's a better elephant or, to have. That is, that is a, that is a, no, the pink elephant is the, the Dumbo. Pink elephant's on parade when you're drunk. Oh, um, right, okay. right, yeah. right. Yes, I the see those el- all the time. Just, just the elephant in the room is just, it's the, that's a whole different elephant. Mm. Yes. That's not the one you paint red. <laughs> an elephant trap. Anyway, but I use jokes as a defense mechanism, everybody. I'm looking at the microphone like I'm talking to people. That's okay. Well, you but are. It is. That's look true. At, look at how nice that's the microphone true. is. He's, I can put a smiley face on him for next time. Last time I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but I, so I've, I've actually kind of, tried to subvert that by instead of uh, waking up early in the morning to go and do things because of course I have to live my life and, and do things like mm-hmm. record a podcast or go and work <laughs> out or do all of these things that ideally would be better in the morning I have just stayed up later you know it's it's a lot easier for me to kind of convince myself to to do those things when I'm already awake whereas when I'm asleep I, it's those thoughts, at least for me, you know, those thoughts of, oh, gosh, here comes another day. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with it is yeah. a lot easier to convince myself. Well, then just go back to sleep. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm already that. doing something. I can keep doing it. But mm-hmm. if, you know, if I'm already in bed and I'm sleeping and uh, those thoughts are like, you don't have to wake up. So don't. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty suggestible yeah. when I'm a, when I'm sleepy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like my when I wake up in the morning, usually, like I said, usually the first thing I think is, "Why am I awake? I could be sleeping right now." And that is the button that depression knows how to push, and that's usually the most effective button because it's like, and then I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I'm gonna sleep for another thirty minutes to an hour, or ninety minutes to two hours." My body will wake me up yeah. at like seven o'clock, like randomly, and then I just kind of like lay there, like okay, well I'm awake for no reason. I probably need to use the bathroom. Probably. Yes. <laughs> There's and no then, way to tell. Yeah. But then, but then after I like after I get up, my first thought is, how soon can I get back into bed? What do I have to do to get back into bed? And usually. Usually that first waking up period, the list is use the bathroom, get back into bed. Yep. If I wake up again, then it's okay. Now it's later. You have to shower and stuff. <laughs> now you, you have, have to th- do those adulting then you have, things. You have to go do those adulting things because you already slept in a little bit. Mm. And then my brain makes me feel bad Guilty. about sleeping. Guilt about I have the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm relating very hard to what you're saying. Uh, recently, I've been working from home on a certain project, a work project I'm doing, and there's nothing for person with anxiety and who also is more extroverted to mm-hmm. deal with than working from home. Oh, totally. Because you wake up at 7, like, your body automatically wakes you up, and you're like, okay, I should be awake, but... Um, I kind of do want to sleep a little bit more. There really isn't no purpose. Oh, wait, there is. I have to. If I, if I don't get anything done today, then I'm a failure. But having a place to go really pushes you more than if you have control over when you start the day. As the kids say, big mood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, I feel like there are, I, there's a new saying every day. 
And yeah, there's there's always something, but I'm I'm hanging on to big mood as long as I can. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, I don't want to say the the whole thing, but BDE is one that. Oh I, lord, that's. <laughs> we can move on from that. But not there. I agree with whoever said it that David Bowie has the big the best BDE. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. David Bowie has the best BDE. It, it was so much so that when he passed away, the whole world crumbled. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> I it was, mean. It was January of 2016, right? Gestures to everything. Yeah. Have you seen what's happened in the yeah, last exactly. two years? Oh, last two, was gestures to together. The, gestures yeah. to the entire last two years. Yeah. David Bowie wasn't holding us together, but... Actually, one thing that I really appreciate about Bowie, which I think is one of those things that um, a lot of people felt was um, he... I, I think he, he opened the gates of you can be whoever you want to be. Mm-hmm. and still be famous and still be liked, still be admired, you know, all of those things that I think are, are really powerful that, you know, you, you don't get from too many people nowadays. Yeah. You know, everyone is so cookie cutter that you, you kind of, someone like David Bowie was a, a breath of fresh air of like, whether you loved him or hated him, he was him. You know, you you know you knew David Bowie. Yeah, he was he was David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, like there was no mold for that. He kind of just just kind of created he, one. He made it. Exactly. He made it work he for made, himself. He, it, he was the best David him. Bowie that David Bowie could be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh. back on track. Um, so I wanted to kind of discuss PTSD, what it is, kind of how it relates to you. Okay, and all right, like yeah, that. sure. Yeah. Um, From, we, we don't talk about that one too often. Yeah, we, we, don't, we talk we about don't. anxiety and depression quite a bit, but PTSD is kind of one of those that, for me, feels a little shoved off to the side a Same lot. Same with obsessive-compulsive disorder, yeah. 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 Well, obsessive-compulsive disorder is stereotyped, as is PTSD, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But, let's, but focusing on post-traumatic stress for a moment, post-traumatic stress is typically stereotyped as a something that occurs after someone returns from active duty in the armed forces or something like that when they've experienced or when they've experienced like being in a war-torn country and stuff like that absolutely no. that's kind of the only way that i yeah like, that's, that's, that's the connotation that's, I that's, how it. Yeah. that's how most people know it that's how most people know it but unfortunately, unfortunately post-traumatic stress can happen in a lot of other yes. different ways when you have an abusive parent trauma can affect you in a number of ways physical abuse emotional abuse Etc. Those can be like traumatic. Like your brain chemically remembers the highs and the lows. That's why, like, it's a really good therapy sense I've heard is to try to find the mills. Just like to remember that that you know there's there's an in between from the highs and the lows. If your brain only remembers the the good and the bad, which mine does, yeah, yeah and mostly the bad, my brain's really skews downward, and that's why you know depression. Sucks. Yeah. Um, because you know depression. Because you know depression. Yeah, but your, your brain likes only remember things when it's um, when, when it's got a lot of adrenaline. Uh, adrenaline. Yes. Yeah, so it's, yeah. and and those are typically with highs and lows. Yeah, exactly. Um, those are that's why your brain remembers the highs and the lows is because there was a lot of adrenaline involved. And in particularly abusive families, those moments are you know kind of burned into your brain. So. When you come across something that feels similar to an event you've already experienced that was traumatic, that's when your PTSD kicks in, and that's when you start panicking because your your body starts you you get that same rush of adrenaline, but it's more of a fear. 
in particular, if it was a negative, it was the negative incident, you get that rush of fear because you don't want that incident to happen again because it hurt the last time and you don't want it to hurt again. So it's not like PTSD is not purely isolated to military combat and things surrounding it. It can happen in very mundane, very mundane circumstances. Absolutely. And is that, do you notice if there's a certain thing that kind of, the word I get thinking of is triggers that? Yeah, is triggers case? is a fine word. Yeah. Is there a particular things there that you find that you, you avoid because you know that that's going to be kind of a... Yeah. yeah. Funnily enough, older, bearded, fat, white guys. <laughs> okay. I.e. my dad. <laughs> Yep, I mean, I guess that would do it. That, 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 that kind of that does it. If you're any combination of those things, I tend to tense up a little bit just because I'm like, oh, God. And it's like 90% irrational, 10%, you know, actually rational because my dad was, you know, a psychopath. But I could get into that in another episode. <laughs> just a whole other episode. Exactly, I could do a whole other episode on psychopathic, uh, what I refer to as a Category 5 abusive parent. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> when do you feel like you knew you had experienced PTSD? Like, was there... Oh, it wasn't until, like, a couple of years ago that I really, like, cemented it. In particular, one of my things with post-traumatic stress is authority. And when I am placed in a position of low authority, where I have very little power, i.e. I am the bottom rung in a series of employees, or I am a class... Uh, like, a classmate in a classroom with a very obvious, like, social hierarchy. Oh man, that's, uh, that, that's something that we, we can definitely get into this, but that's, that's probably the biggest thing that triggers my depression, yeah. is, is that social hierarchy, but anyway. Well, that, that. that more trigger that more hits my, like, because a lot of that is just more like, the only, the only thing you can do is please, because pleasing is the only way that you can survive. And so you bend your ass over backwards. Ass is not a bad word. No, no, it's a great you're, word. you're okay. I mean, honestly, I mean, they say, about... they, they say it on TV a lot. But anyway, yeah, I really relate to the people pleasing thing. My, yeah, my like, anxiety tells me you need to be a perfectionistic. You need to make sure that everyone likes you at least enough that you are getting by, and no one is judging you or severely pitying you. Bingo. Yep. Hit that nail right on the head. So, I, I guess for me, it's. Opposite, which which is interesting because I am someone mm. who deals with anxiety. But when it comes to social kind of hierarchy, it, it almost has the opposite effect for me. It's it's not an anxiety. I mean, certainly there's anxiety there because I'm like, oh no, this is happening. But it actually it, it massively triggers my depression. Is you know I'll be going to I don't know for example like a party or something, and I'll I'll be talking to friends and I'll be having a great time and something like that, and then someone comes in who's oops, Someone comes in who is like the best word I can think of is like boisterous or something like that. Someone who comes in who is who has a large personality who takes up a lot of space with their personality, which is great. You know, you do you. I'm sorry. But what? Is that? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm oh. Just making a joke, joke that my personality can take hold. Yeah, camera. Do you know that you trigger my depression every time I see it? No, I'm kidding. Um, gosh, I know this. This podcast is a, is a heck of a. Time. I can imagine. No, anyway. Um, no, so you know, it it typically happens at at like parties or something where people are a little bit more socially open, I'll notice that I'll be fine up until that person shows up and I'll see that a lot of people are kind of gravitating towards that personality. 
and all of a sudden I'll just kind of feel like I'm not good enough. You know, I'll, I'll oh, sit yeah, there. I know that no, I get that too. Yep. I'll, I'll sit there and it's interesting because I'm a super competitive person, but for some reason, again, this, this affects me completely differently. It's just I see that everyone is gravitating towards them and I just completely shut down. You know, next thing I know, I'll be on my phone in another room in the dark that no one knows, and they'll be like, Zach, where are you at? And I'm like, oh, I'm just hanging out. What's up with you? Um, that's typically when the backlog of stuff that my, that my depression is always kind of drudging up, yeah. that's when mm-hmm. that'll come up, you know, is uh, past relationships, things that I did wrong, people that I've hurt, you know, yeah. all of those things. And I'll just be sitting there in the dark while I'm hearing, like, the music bumping in the other room, and I'll hear that person, like, laughing or something, and all this stuff, and, and I'll just completely you, shut down. Yeah, and you're just sitting there wondering what, what, the, what even is the point. Exactly, and, and typically it's not too long after that that I'll leave. Um, yeah, I know that yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just at a party last night where... No, it was a great party. It was my friend's birthday party. Parties give me a lot of anxiety. Not like the idea of going to a party. Like, yes, getting there, yes. But then... Going out, and then you think about it too hard. But then you realize that everyone already has their set groups that they're already formulating. And you kind of know them, but you kind of don't. That's the worst. If I don't know anyone, it's fine. Like, mm. I can fit fall on my face. They won't remember. Or they will, and I don't care. But when I kind of know people, or I'm like at a party where I do know someone, and I have to seem like I must, I'm, I'm this person's friend, so I must become a pleasing person for them to deal with with me as they're there as well. I enjoyed everyone who I talked with, but it got exhausting to the point where I'm like, oh, everyone here is already really tight-knit. I, I don't really have a place here. I mean, I, I enjoyed the conversations I had, but I, I started to realize I, I don't want to put my energy into trying to force friendships. I, I think I'd want to go home. How no, I, I get that. Parties. I get that. That's how I've... And I hate to bring the mood down a little bit. Uh, I mean, the topic of our, our, of our podcast is depression. I don't think it's so. going to bring it down. I think it's going to create the mood. Yeah, absolutely. Note to self, dry sarcasm doesn't work here. Um, <laughs> love dry well, We just play along with it. We love dry sarcasm. Okay, so uh, that's been the theme of my life. I grew up always trying to be a part of something because I didn't want to feel left out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that usually led to me trying so hard that I felt left out anyway, because everyone already was, you know, everyone was close. I didn't feel like I belonged in the group. I had that happen the other night when I was um, I was out with some friends who are all, we all are all fans of another podcast. We got together and we hung out, and there was a point in the night where I just was worried that I didn't belong in that group for one reason or another, and my brain just kind of latched onto that and wouldn't let it go. What happens, and this is kind of where the OCD comes into play, because mm-hmm. that's what that's what it is. Can I, di- can I diatribe about OCD for a minute? Absolutely. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. Okay, great. So OCD is not necessarily all about like somebody being organizational or you know germaphobic. Those are aspects of obsessive compulsive disorder, but they are not what defines obsessive compulsive disorder because like it's a series of compulsions that are performed to quiet obsessions typically and there are several different types of obsessive compulsive disorder mine i kind of fall under the category of what is called in the in the circles pure o which is i have obsessive thoughts but not necessarily compulsions i just like 
can't stop thinking about something and there's nothing I can do to quiet it. Oh, yeah. And so, except, yeah, sleep. If you can and fall that's, asleep. And that's a maybe. If, if, yeah. I can, if I can sleep. And so, okay. like, my, I, will, I will try to find compulsions that will quiet the obsession, but, like, nine times out of ten it doesn't work, and I just end up slipping back into depression and then, you know, not doing anything or doing what is comfortable, which is another key aspect to how depression pushes your buttons because it knows, it knows what you like and it mm-hmm. knows that that's the easiest way to get you to do nothing. Because I cannot tell you how many times I have watched the same YouTube video over and over again versus watching anything that is new. Because there's a comfort in that. It's exactly. like, oh, there's I know. A, like, there's I... a comfort in watching the same thing you've seen before. Like, I have marathoned the entire series of Friends more times than I can count on both hands. It's funny because I I saw my first episode of Friends, and I mean I'm just gonna just gonna throw myself under the bus there. I uh, I saw my first episode of Friends uh, like a week ago. I'm pretty behind. It's, You've avoided it. Wow, that's I, I, impressive. I, I didn't even actively try to avoid it. It just it never happens, and I was always watching something else. Yeah. Anyway, so but anyway, back to Friends. You were saying, you were saying you, oh yeah, that's you right, marathoning, marathoning friends because it's comfortable. Your yeah. look was like, what? I was like, <laughs> like why? why were we talking? About See, friends? that's another kicker. I have not great memory, so oh, I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah, for sure. That is that is a key to my <laughs> to why depression is so easy, and it's very easy to get me down, is because my memory is so shoddy that my brain can just make things up and be like. This is something that happened to you. Do you remember it? No. Do you remember this other thing? No. Then how can you tell this isn't true? Yeah. That's really scary to not like to have your brain play tricks on you and not let you know exactly. what's it's, true and what's not. It's freaking terrifying. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And the thing of, and the thing about the the memory game with that I play with depression is that a lot of the time when I remember something, it's like I said, it's either a high or a low. It's very, like, adrenally charged. I think I may have just made up a word. That's okay. We need some more words in the world. It's a new generation. We might as well come up with better ones than the ones that are coming up. <laughs> Hashtag YOLO. Anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. So, it remembers the highs and the lows, but, it can't, but my memory has had a capacity to make up new lows because my brain does this... And this is a this is a concept in post traumatic stress and anxiety and obsessive compulsive disorder, like and sort of depression too. But it's like a it's like a common thing in mental disorders where mind reading. It's where where your brain projects thoughts that you have experienced before into other people. Mm. Ooh. Yes, like it's thi- like it think like that night with the with the Adventure Zone fans. Like I was worried that they thought I didn't belong there. And so my brain latched onto that and thought, hey, you don't belong here because they might think you don't belong here. You can't prove that they don't know that or they don't think that. So you're just going to have to sit in that and stew for a moment. I completely understand that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I know our our brains are, you know. They're very creative. Yeah, certainly, definitely. This is why psychology fascinates and terrifies me. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I studied psychology for a few years in college, too. If I weren't a theater major, I would be a psych major. Yeah, and, and they tie greatly into each other. They do, funnily enough. There was a lot of things in theater. Just to, to backtrack a little bit, Adrian and I went to college together, and we were in the uh, acting BFA program together at UC Santa Barbara. It explains why I'm here. And we, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. You're just a complete person. I meant, in Los, a, I meant in Los I Angeles mean, in general. <laughs> just oh a complete my. stranger. Yes, um, off the street. He, yeah, we, he, he paid me twenty bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, this is the first time Cameron and Adrian have met, but mm-hmm. me and Adrian yes. have known each other for like six years at this point. Probably. Oh God, yeah. Probably, actually, probably longer than that. Like, oh, seven mm, at that point. Six. Six. I started in twenty twelve. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's two thousand eighteen for those of you listening. And we timestamp the episode. <laughs> <laughs> We've just literally dated, dated ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do that all the time. But um, yeah, psychology and theater really kind of ties into it because you—it is your job to put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, it's your mm-hmm. job to whether you're playing a hero or a villain. You you want to find a way to make them human and live yeah. them the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And I've I've noticed that I do that with real people too and kind of like you said projecting thoughts and yeah. things I mean, like that the other side of that coin is empathy yeah the absolutely the absolute other side of the coin is empathy because when you are able to empathize with people more you can also like that opens a gate like it's not that's not a one-way street empathy no, is not a one-way not. street empathy is a two-way street and you can think people feel things but you can also, like, people will feel things that you are feeling. Yeah. And also, you will feel things people feel. But that's like, and that's what the trick is. Is The trick is your brain is trying to tell you that, hey, these people might be thinking this, which you feel about yourself. So you'll project that onto them. Exactly. So you project it. You project that emotion onto someone else. And it's, huh. The worst. I'm really yeah, it is so hard. <laughs> not, not the worst. There are worse things, but it pretty is, bad. It is kind of interesting because it, it does have kind of a, a two sides of the same coin feel because on one side, I, I enjoy being empathetic. I enjoy mm. being able to almost to a fault understand other people's feelings. But then on <laughs> the other side, <laughs> almost to a fault. I say that almost to a fault so not, you know, depress myself. <laughs> but, um, you know, but then it's, uh, then on the other side, it's, yeah, you, you eventually, it, I think where it affects me the most is when I honestly can't tell what someone else is feeling. There are mm. definitely some people out there who mm. I have a hard time reading, you know, um, and I just automatically go to, they hate me. I just automatically just, go it's to. It's the easiest way. It's the go. easiest one, and, you know, and, and in my brain, it's the most likely one, you know, the, the most likely one. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's the most likely thing Simple. is they probably hate me. You know, this this happened to me a lot in college where yeah. I would just, because um, I don't think I had developed quite that, you know, way of, I'm still there, but, you know, it, that ability to differentiate me projecting what people think and me not knowing, but like, you know, pretty sure of knowing what somebody, you know, the empathy. That's, that's, that's where mind reading comes in. Yeah. That's what, that's what mind, mind reading is projecting, mm-hmm. like, to a detrimental level. Yeah. Not that projecting isn't detrimental to begin with, but... Well, there's the tops and turvies of being empathetic. Is It's such a challenge because you want to relate very hard and connect with people, oh, but there's a point when 
like as you said, the negative, you will overthink and overanalyze if you don't understand what they're thinking to an extent that you feel you can create whatever you want and you'll go to the negative of what they're perceiving, which is very scary. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the that's the first step my brain takes when it doesn't understand something is it's I'm usually, not good enough, I don't know what I, you know. I did something bad, but my my thought is usually I did something bad, but I don't know what exactly it is. But here's a bunch of examples that it could be. So think about that for a second and rethink your entire personality. Yeah, here's a whole list of all the ways that you've messed up before. Don't you love when that happens? I feel like my mind is, I, I call it a robot when it comes to situations where if something goes a little bit wrong or if mm-hmm. after the situation something's kind of off, I'm like, okay, let's rewind the day and let's find what I did wrong. And if you don't find something wrong, you'll be like, okay, we're going to go through that again until we find what's wrong and we find the solution. And you're not going to find it, so your brain's either going to make up things, uh, find a minute thing that probably had no point no effect but you will make it into something exactly and you'll just keep rewinding until you try and fix the situation but every time you watch the situation it's not going to get fixed the the replaying of like the obsessive compulsive disorder feeding into depression like that like it feeds into the replay of those like situations and scenarios and that's like i said like with the post traumatic stress a lot of those are super negative and super yeah. adrenal when I get into that mode, I shut down. I have to step back, stop whatever I'm doing, and go breathe. Because if I don't, worse things will probably happen. And that's the biggest OCD tick for me is breathing. Because like, I mean, meditation is, you know, a thing people say when they, you tell them that you're depressed or you have anxiety, they'll be like, have you tried meditation? meditation? Or have you tried yoga? Yes, I've tried yoga. I've tried meditation. Yoga just made me more flexible and meditation just taught me how to breathe again. I have more tools in my toolkit that help keep the OCD in control. Uh, so, uh, medication-wise or just oh, tool-wise? Tool-wise. What are, what are the tools? Yeah. So just like, it's remembering, it, a lot of the tools circle around cognitive behavioral therapy, which I Highly recommend. Oh. Cognitive behavioral therapy. I think that's so, one of the best. So good. Also, even if you're afraid of groups, group therapy. Group therapy, so much better than one-on-one. I like one-on-one therapy, but group therapy really helps. Because for me, a lot of the time when group when I do group therapy sessions, it puts my problems into perspective. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have it as bad as some people yep. do, and some people don't have it as bad as I do. And the thing about like pure O, which is like I do, I am a little bit on the organizational side. I like uh, things divisible by five. I tend to keep things uh, tend to like to keep things in a nice, neat order as much as I can. Or I put something in a very specific place and I remember where, because that's where I remember I put it. Yeah. And that doesn't work with my memory sometimes. But tomato, tomato. I did just find my keys in the freezer a couple of days ago. Um, I, but, I mean, I don't think that had anything to do with memory. I yeah. think that just had to do with I had to wake up at 5 and I went to bed at 3. Um, so, and yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I still haven't <laughs> found my copy of Mario Kart 64. If anybody knows where that is. Yeah. Our, um, uh, our 
Our if, audience if your listening <laughs> audience knows where my copy of Mario Kart 64 is, that'd be great. They just you opened up their, they just lifted up their couch and they're like, oh, how did that get there? Feel free to send it to P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a P.O. box. Who even uses those? I, people who are <laughs> who have P.O. Box. boxes, boxes, or older, or who are famous and don't want people to know their actual address. That's true. Touche. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have a lot of answers to that question. Yeah. Touche. All right. So, back to obsessive compulsive disorder and kind of how that more plays into like just the thoughts that you have, where the like obsession comes in and the things that. The person obsesses over like in conjunction with post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. you obsess over those traumatic events and you obsess over trying to not get those traumatic things to happen again so when something akin to those events happens and you get that rush of adrenaline then your brain immediately goes into it like a or at least at least mine because this is i'm speaking purely from experience my brain goes into a panic mode and is like okay 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 what do i have to do to get this adrenaline to shut up. Do I have to breathe? Do I have to go find something to clean up? Do I have to find something to organize? Do I have to count to five or something? That's the, the process during one of those episodes is very much a panic state. So oh, what are some of the, the ways that you kind of deal with that? Lo- well, the, the least disruptive way of dealing with it is breathing. The, the cognitive behavior. So you're saying meditation, Adrian? <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference between breathing and meditation. I know, I'm kidding. But anyway. Meditate yeah. in, Medi- meditate out. Meditative breathing. It is, it is a thing. Meditative breathing does kind of help. There are times when it doesn't. I will admit, there are times that it does help, though. Just when it's, it's in situations where I can do literally nothing else except breathe. Well, and it's, it's something it's, to focus on, right? Exactly. Like it's something focus. to focus on. It's something to focus on. It's very non-disruptive. You can do it pretty much at any time, yeah. and people won't really know why you're breathing slowly. But you know, if they ever ask, then just say, "I'm just, I just like breathing slowly." It's my thing. It's my it's thing. My so I'm taking in the moment. I really want to Wouldn't go embrace this. <laughs> exactly. But back to cognitive behavioral therapy, which mm-hmm. is so choice. A lot of what a lot of the cognitive techniques I have dealt with are just like reaffirmation sentences and just like reminding myself that this is my another small diatribe. Like the way I separate the, the like my disorders from general human thinking is it's your emotional brain versus your logical brain. Uh-huh. I believe because your limbic system versus your. Um... Cortex. Gesundheit. <laughs> yeah. the, the logical brain, logically, I know all the things I'm thinking in reference to post-traumatic stress, in reference to obsessive compulsive disorder, in reference to depression, in reference to anxiety. I logically know all of that is bullhawk. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's a good word. It's a great word. I've heard bullhockey. Or yeah, bullhockey. Bullhockey. Yeah. That's another one. We all have our choice words. We all we all have choice words. Those are the choice words you hear about. Um, <laughs> That's exactly what those are. That's exactly what those are. It's, it's any variation of bullhockey. If anyone is angry and they're like, I have some choice words. You know it's bullhockey. You know it's bullhockey. <laughs> anyway, logically, I know what I'm thinking is irrational. Emotionally, I'm not going to let go of this. 
we're not gonna let go of this until you feel what I'm trying to make you feel, until you feel terrified, until you feel worthless, until you feel sad, until you are down on yourself, because I want down to be your default, says the emotional brain. Logically, that's garbage. Why are you thinking like this? Move on. Like you have more important things to worry about or not even worry about. You have more important things to do. You could go outside, go on a walk, record a podcast episode. <laughs> you could do a lot of things. Go get your car filled up. Why are you sitting here? There's something so comfortable about sitting with your misery. True. There is. Yeah. I was actually researching that on my, uh, not on my drive here, right before I was driving here, of just kind of why people, because I had this, this urge to listen to sad songs. Because, I mean, uh, you know, full, full disclosure, that's the word. Full disclosure, I was feeling depressed on my way here, too, just with everything, you know. Just I don't that's, need to get into that. Just all the things. Fair. There's um, lots of everything out there. I don't, I don't need to list out the... But anyway, yes. and I just felt like listening to sad songs. And so I, I, I Googled. I was just like, you know, why, why do sad people like listening to sad songs? And it's true. I mean, we all... There, there's something comforting in just wallowing in that misery which is that really old weird that old phrase misery loves company yeah. it is yeah and, it, and it's so it true loves your company your own solo but, attention on it and exactly. i've noticed that going back to the you know the story a little while ago where it was like if i'm at a party and you have this large personality i like to just kind of go sit in the bathroom or go sit in a room where no one's at i guess this is just a, a thing that i do is go sit in bathroom because that's in the last episode too with my anxiety it happens with my depression too but like just somewhere where i'm alone and you know i go sitting alone it's interesting because it's not like it's going to make it better to go by myself like i'm already feeling when i'm feeling those you know that depression of of just no one likes me, no one wants to talk to me, and all of those things. I'm already feeling alone in a group. And so it is interesting that the first kind of thought is, well, then I'll just go actually be alone. You know, I'll go to a, a separate room where no one's at, yeah. you know. And To be fair to your logic, bathrooms, while they are the most dangerous room in your house, they are comforting in a way you don't need to tell me why the bathroom is the most dangerous part of the house <laughs> because <laughs> now i have to find another turn. place to go hide with my anxiety and depression i won't tell you why but it's not but like the kitchen's not far behind so don't think about it <laughs> okay so not the kitchen yeah not, not the, the kitchen bathroom. don't worry there's other places you're not safe <laughs> yeah okay just kind of sit on the floor in the bathroom yeah, you're okay See, there my walk-in closet tiny little four by four still the safest space yeah yeah exactly i know and we were talking about how she i guess i just have to learn to love my closet chair <laughs> in my although my closet's like the size of a chair so yeah. even better yeah really get into that phone booth yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it's it's basically a phone booth i feel like when i when i walk out i'm gonna have to be like superman yes yeah. go spin circles well the interesting the interesting thing about this whole misery loves company thing is that this is a very this is a very like real thing when you are feeling a certain way you want to your brain wants you to emphasize that feeling in whatever way, shape, or form is possible. And that's why when you are sad, you do tend to listen to sad music. Like I'll throw on some REO Speedwagon or Next to Normal. 
I um, anyway my uh, just to inject some humor into this one. Uh, for some reason, when I say I want to listen to depressing songs, I go back to when depression first started hitting me, which was. And, and I started listening to music around that time, was like seventh, eighth grade. And at that point, we were at like the height of alternative kind of emo music. And so my <laughs> your go to your go to is My Chemical Romance. Uh, you're not far off. Good it's, it's not. Oh man, keep going because you're not far. It's, Panic at the Disco. No, although I do. I mean, Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco is good. I mean, Panic at the Disco makes me happy. It does. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, a, it's not Panic at the Disco. Panic at the Disco kind of goes both ways. Yeah. For me. See, like, for sometimes me, it's just oh, but for also, me, um, which is funny because they're not actually like they're not emo, but uh, yeah. Blink One Eighty Two. Ah, yeah, is one they, that I listen to. Like I'm typically listening to. I can see that. I miss you and down songs like that, and then Hawthorne Heights. Yeah. That's can, it. That's yeah, the, that's the other one that I listen to, yeah. and so I'm just I'm sitting. I get there. into I get into like because I'm more of a like oldies classical music person, so I get into things like you know I get into some really like sad slow, Elton John, Billy Joel, yeah. the show must go on, which is my favorite Queen song. That's the opposite can be the opposite for this whole phenomenon can be true as well, where you listen to. Like, well, some people listen to music to psych themselves out. Like I said, sometimes a show must go on is a psych-up song for me. Don't Stop believing gets me going. But it's a thing that humans do. We listen to music to emphasize the mood. Yeah. Whether that mood is happy, sad, or you want to get it on. Yep, exactly. <laughs> In which case, I turn on, like, Marvin Gaye. Polka. Um. <laughs> we put out really very oh different, God. very different... <laughs> I feel like my answer was, you know, more accurate, and your answer was kind of a joke. Uh, you'll never know. No. You'll never know. I pray I don't. Oh. <laughs> I pray I don't ever Bad. find out. <laughs> if you ever walk, walk past my bedroom and you hear a polka, then I'll know something is going on. You're never going to feel the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to be me playing Mario Kart. That's what it is. Ew. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, we'll, 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 we'll cut that one. Yeah. <laughs> or not. Or not. Or not. That we'll could see. be some good comedy. Yes. Yeah. No. Great. Did you want to talk about uh, Prozac and um, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. So I started taking Prozac a year ago. Initially, I started out on 20 milligrams of dosage per day. Like, it's not a, it's not a take-as-needed medication. Prozac is a once-daily every 24 hours take it Mm -hmm. kind of thing and it has a half-life of about five or six days for also a decent amounts in your system by which is yeah which is important to note yeah we'll get back to the half-life thing um yeah i was just gonna say my high blood pressure medication has a half-life of like less than 24 hours so if i even at the 24 hour mark i know that there's no more in my system i can feel it exactly that's the thing about that's the thing about antidepressants is they like at least with this one it sticks around yeah, for, it builds a, up, for a for little sure. bit. Yeah. So, or my, my experience with Prozac is early on when I was taking it, when it was a lower dosage, if I skipped a day, it wasn't a huge deal, and I would never have skipped a day on purpose. It would have just been like an ex, ex it would have been an extenuating circumstance, like I left it in my luggage or I left it at home and I'm at work and I can't take it, etc. Lifing. Exactly. Lifing. 
Is it one of the medications you need to take at a certain time of the day? Or? Not typically, though. It, like it's it's a it's better if you take it in the morning because it's a thing you can do when you first wake up, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I take it. I take mine at eleven every day. I give myself kind of an hour hour range on both ends. Like I could take it at ten thirty or at eleven thirty, either or. And then I upped to forty over the holidays, and then sixty in February and. After I started taking 60 milligrams a day, I did notice that on days when I would miss a dosage, five days later, it would affect really hard. It would... Mm. Yeah, because you're essentially 60, like you, that half-life. Yeah, essentially the half-life catch up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The half-life disappears and that's a lot in your system. It's also like 60 milligrams is one dosage off of the maximum I'm allowed, which is 80. So when I miss a day, if it's in my luggage um, or something like that, which the last example, that's why I keep bringing that up. The last example of this happening was that. It was in my luggage. I was getting on a plane. I didn't want to deal with it going through TSA, so I just put it in my checked bag. Yeah, me, you're going to have to dump those out into the trash can. Do you realize what it- <laughs> We don't care about how your mental state is. We yeah. just need those gone. <laughs> Point of anxiety. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think TSA is a point of anxiety for every person. <laughs> yeah, that's why I hate airports. I love flying, but I hate airports. Oh my god, Me I'm too. actually the complete, complete opposite. You like actually, airports? I hate flying, and I find airports exciting personally because you see so many different no. types of people. No. Y'all are shaking. I'm clearly the minority here. Yeah, yep. in more ways than one. <laughs> I know. I just I I I think airports are exciting. You see different people obviously I don't like the traffic around them but once I'm inside uh one tidbit is not LAX because LAX you're kind of just no stuck in one, one likes LAX because you're just stuck in one terminal but there are some cool airports like the Dallas airport which is one is huge hell. airport with a tra- like a not train but like one of those small kind of barts yeah it's like it's kind of got a monorail but not really a monorail kind yeah of thing. exactly yeah and, and um you can just it's I don't know kind of feels like a, a an adult yeah. Disneyland I mean, my favorite, my, my favorite airport so far, and that's a low list because I've only ever been in, like, four, um, is Burbank. Bob Hope Airport. Because so, Burbank is so much more convenient. Yep. For, I fly out of Burbank every time. Well, for the most part, if I can... If yeah, let's be honest. If you, if you have a choice it. between something and LAX, you're going to choose that something. You're going to choose the something. But Burbank is such a calm else. airport. Pretty simple, yeah, pretty it's, smooth. It's simple. It's easy. It's very quiet. 20 minutes. So to speak. In and out. Yeah, exactly. 20 minutes in and out. TSA is not a big deal there. You're not stuck in a line for an hour. Yeah. Not usually. Anyway, I didn't mean to uh, to uh, kind of derail it, tarmac. so to speak. Yeah. But I think there's there's a valid point with how it different is, people yeah. are affected by airports. Like yeah. the one little interjection I wanted to make here um, when you were talking about we both do not like airports. The thing yeah, that gives me... they were both vehemently me, shaking yeah. their head when I was like, the thing that I, I love hate, airports. Yeah. The thing I hate most about the airport, I think, is like the going through TSA having um, security. security. I don't know how it is. And I've written an article about this, like like how to survive the airport, how to get through this. Uh, every time I go through the, oh, you know, got to take off your shoes, got to put all this through. Somehow the people behind me are already, they've got their stuff. They're looking at me like, why haven't you figured this out the minute you've stepped here? I'm like, I still got to take off my shoes, my laptop. You can just go ahead of me. Just go ahead of me. Like the pressure of everyone yeah. else waiting on you. I hate it. I'm like, no, I don't oh, yeah, want totally. to the, be The pressure there. of, it's like, it's like Disneyland, but worse. worse. <laughs> 
Because, like, at least at Disneyland, you're all doing the same thing. Yeah. Waiting in lines. You're waiting in lines, and that's it. Yeah. That's all you have to worry about is just staying in your place in line. Yeah. <laughs> Versus at the airport, where you have to worry about taking off your shoes. Do I have anything liquid in my bag? Do I have to take my laptop out of it? Does my Nintendo Switch count as an electronic device? Yeah. It does, technically, because it's bigger than a phone. So you have to take that out as well, and then okay. you have to... Anyway. Well, I, I did say not TSA and not <laughs> flying, but I do like airports. Like, if you just took TSAs out of airports, if you I just hang out, really if you like just it. hang out in the airport, you're basically hanging out in a glorified strip mall. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah be I, I, I'm not seeing the be real. Here. Just go to a just go to a strip mall in that case. Yeah, but at least at a strip mall, like at an airport, you're meeting a whole bunch of different people from different cultures. You would meet the same kind of people, people at a strip, strip mall. mall. What are you talking about? All right, well, let's just agree to disagree on airports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, back anyway, to back your medication. To, yeah, back to, by back, to my TSA. Med- back to my medication. Oh. So, God, the effect of skipping a day is where we left off. Yes. So when, I, so when I missed a day, five days later, I would get really severely bogged down in my own thoughts, in just like numbness. I didn't want to do anything. I would just lay in bed, not even like have my computer or my phone next to me. Cause I typically, I'm one of those people that will like go to sleep watching a YouTube video because it's comfortable. Yep. I've actually, um, man, we, this is just a tangential episode today. Um, but yep. I have just started doing that. That's probably about a week ago, and um, I hope I'm not driving my housemate insane by it. But I've really, on the 4th of July, just to give a little bit of history, um, I found that I really enjoyed sitting there with my family kind of for the first time watching YouTube videos about like the history of Disneyland. It was just very nostalgic, and it was very kind of pleasing. And I, I love learning things, but I also love things that are nostalgic. Yeah. And so what I've kind of recently started doing was watching a lot of not only kind of Disney-esque uh, things, usually about Disneyland, but also about video games, because video games are very nostalgic for me, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've just been putting on YouTube videos kind of next to my bed. I'll, like, prop my phone up on, mm-hmm. like, next to a, a, a cup or something, and I'll just lay down, watch it, and I'm usually out in, like, five minutes, which is amazing for me because normally I'm lost in my thoughts of just thinking and yeah um, eventually and it's I don't know it's it's really helped me and you that, know, ha- that happens yeah because if I if there's not like some kind of background noise that isn't the streets because mm-hmm. like the streets are loud <laughs> enough sure yeah. but like your brain needs to be some, or at least my brain needs to be somewhat occupied by something yeah, for me, like, it used to be the air conditioner or a fan. I would just, like, yeah, put that's like, not enough my face. for me. I, I have need to put, another story going on. Yeah, exactly. I have to put on, like, an old episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 that I've watched a billion times, Friends, or, like, any other thing that I've seen before. Because it can't be something new. Because then you want to focus it's, on it. Yeah, exactly. If it's something new, you want to focus on it because we want to learn about the new thing. But if it's something you've seen before, you can just be like, oh, I've listened to this before. Yeah, because well, you know where the story. Your, your brain's already exactly. predicting what's going to happen, so it's it's creating this whole world for you to start dreaming it. Which is why would some I listen to Wait Wait Don't Tell Me uh, through NPR's uh, through the podcasts, and if I listen to that while I'm driving, like if I'm driving a long distance, if I listen to sequential episodes, I will start falling asleep. 
by about like the second or third episode because they follow a format in the episode. It's like mm. the same games, same order, different jokes, but like it's the same structure. And you get used to that structure. It becomes familiar. It becomes comfortable. And there's the key word. Yep. It becomes comfortable and then you fall asleep. I forget what the term is, but it's a highway hypnosis or something like that, where you where you just like your brain just sees the lines and you get hypnotized and then you fall asleep after driving for you know six hours or whatever. Yeah. That's so, a, so back to Prozac. So back to Prozac. Prozac. Yeah. Um, in in on those days that I miss or when the half life expires, it's like I was talking about earlier. I get very bogged down in my own thoughts and basically chained to my bed by my own brain saying why even bother getting out of bed it's not worth it you're not necessarily a blight on humanity but you're not benefiting anything by being awake you're not doing anything positive you're not doing anything negative but you're not doing anything positive you don't contribute you're just mm-hmm. existing you're you're, an, you're another very very tiny cog in a large machine you are replaceable oof yeah the 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 sentence you are replaceable hits really hard because I've been someone who is for the last like 20 some years I've been focused on self-identity really establishing who I am as a person and knowing that or at least having the thought in the back of my head that I am just another cog in the machine or another you know statistic another number to someone or at least or at the very most like to everyone I'm just a number another number is depressing as all get out. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably mm-hmm. another really big one for me that I'll, I'll know that I'll start kind of... Uh, this typically happens when I get drunk or something like that, but mm-hmm. you know, I'll find myself kind of screaming that at the sky at whatever God will listen to me, you know, <laughs> is why am I here? You know, what is the point yeah. of all of this suffering? And like, what is... The point like why is life so hard and mm-hmm. what am i doing here i find the driving question with depression is why yeah it's very Typically. much why it's very much it's very much why in different forms why is this happening like, to me why why am i suffering like why it's never I... the questions i never ask myself when i'm down are like where is this going what is my purpose it's never it's never that because like my purpose is simple my purpose is life to live the best life that I can. That's my purpose. And whatever that whatever that means is what it means. Whatever that ends up being. The real question is why? The reason. Why am I here? Why do I have a purpose? Am I a cog in a machine? Am I meant to stand out? Am I just fulfilling some grand plan of some otherworldly being that I don't know about? Or am I just doomed to sit in the ground for the rest of linear time to be perfectly honest depression was one of the probably largest motivating factors for why i wanted to start this podcast um Mm -hmm. probably uh, probably over any other reason was exactly what we're talking about is like why am i here what can i do and how can i not be a cog in the machine and like yeah i mean obviously this is part of a cog in the machine but if i can change someone else's life or if i can you know if someone can relate to it or if i can even entertain people and something like that and kind of even for 45 minutes an hour kind of take them out of feeling like 
feeling depressed or feeling anxious or something like that that's one of my biggest things because it's you know I don't want to be a cog in the machine mm. and and I constantly constantly do so I was like well what can I do to to not only help myself in not feeling that but hopefully make other people feel as if they're not either you know yeah. so that was actually the the one of if not the biggest reasons why I started this podcast in mm. the first place yeah that's fair was not feeling like Pretty a cog pretty similar for me as well to wanting to work on and start this podcast yeah. I wanted to make mental health and anxiety and depression more accessible and talkable mm-hmm. and have it be open conversations and be able to talk with someone who's really easy to relate to like Zach and just make it either fun relatable deep but not where it's this scary topic that people can't be accessible without going to this dark point yes. too much I feel mental health is on the up and up to be talked about and to be explored, and that's what we want to do here. Which yeah, is part of, of the reason why I just get a little meta, I guess, but yeah. it's like also part of the reason why I like to to kind of go on those tangents. It's like you know, some people might find it annoying that it's like, oh, we're talking about this thing, and it's yeah. like we keep going off topic, but that's how conversations go. Yeah. And I also don't want it to feel like. We're, we're here, we're not just talking, like, we're only talking about depression, and we're only yeah, talking yeah. about the things that make us unhappy about it. I mean, depression's probably the easiest topic to be sad about, you know, and make a really sad, you know, thing about. So it's like, you know, injecting humor into it and injecting just regular conversation tangents and things like that. Brings um, a sense of comfort. Brings yeah. a sense of comfort, brings a sense of normalcy. I, I honestly, though, at this point, I have forgotten how many, mm. we've gone on so many tangents. Yeah. I, I mean, I want to finish up though. We were, how we Prozac kind of... makes you feel like if it okay. did help? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. Was... We were, we were, we were there. We were on the Prozac. We were almost train. there. We were on the Prozac train, and then it got derailed a little. We bit. keep getting off, but we're getting back on. Yeah, yeah, we're getting back on. So now, how Prozac helps with because Prozac is dominantly used for treating multiple disorders at once, in particular mm-hmm. obsessive compulsive. Anxiety and depression. It's kind of a catch-all for. It's kind of a catch-all. That's why my psychiatrist recommended it versus taking like four different things to to counter each one. Just hit as many as you can with one thing. Sounds reasonable. So that's that's why we went with Prozac to start. It does calm down, like to some degree, and I'm able to think a lot clearer. Like that logical brain that I talked about earlier has gotten a lot louder in the past year since I started taking Prozac. because it's able to kind of quell the emotional emotional voice. Well, yeah, it it quiets the emotional brain, but it also makes the logical brain a lot louder. Mm -hmm. Because for a while, last year, I would get really bogged down in in those days where I skipped. I would get really bogged down in my emotional brain and just be like, okay, I'm really, really sad right now. And I have to feel this way. I have to ride this out. Because if I don't, I'm going to feel it later, and it's going to be worse. So I'm going to have to feel this now while it's bad before I feel it later and it's worse. And I was getting to a point where just therapy by itself wasn't enough. So I went to see a psychiatrist. I got prescribed Prozac, and I have since, like, I'm able to, I'm able to logic myself out of many situations where my anxiety kind of comes into play if it's if it's not a, like a traumatic anxiety if it's just like a 
oh god, are they not going to show up kind of thing. Like, I uh, I was meeting a friend of mine to go see Ant-Man and the Wasp, and my brain, for a split second, was like, what if they just text me and say they're not coming? What happens then? Am I a bad person? Logically, no. Emotionally, you could be. But logically, no, you're not. You just go see the movie. There's no... Like, whether or not they're there, that doesn't stop you from seeing the movie. No. Like, you could go see the movie by yourself. It's moments like that where the Prozac has helped kind of, like, silence the emotional worry and be like, no, 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 no. Think about that for a second. You can do the thing still. You can go see this movie. You can apply for that apartment. You can apply for that job. There's nothing stopping you except your emotions. That's the only thing stopping you. And in some, case, in some cases, like applying for the job or quitting a job, like the emotion outweighs the logic very significantly. And in other times, like those... Sometimes it should, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes yeah. sometimes honest, it should. We, we always like to talk about how it's, you know, our logical brain is better than our emotional brain. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there are times there's, 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 there's a balance. There's a fine balance. Yeah, I'm not sure. saying there isn't yeah. a balance. You don't sure. want to become Spock. No. Or, or Data. Do, or do I? Or do, or do I? Ha, 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 ha. But like the the balance when you are when you have severe depression, that balance is hard to find because that emotional brain is the loudest thing ever. And like it's the only thing you can hear versus pure logic, which is just like, no, don't listen to that. Do the thing. But then I'm still kind of working on that, finding that balance because no two brains are the same even if you're twins no two brains are the same that's not how that works of course not because everybody's process is different and my process also happens to involve obsessive compulsive disorder because of you know how i was raised because of my need to people please and my need to be a welcoming personality and Mm -hmm. be just good like i abhor myself when i do Anything that be that can be even slightly misconstrued as bad. Absolutely, it's so and that's hard. going back to sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say it's so hard to be good enough. Like people don't, especially when you were saying how oh you can try meditation, you can try this. Like people want you to be better when it's already hard enough to have a stable point of you're okay, you're decent, yeah. you're you you you're doing you passable. That's you're alive. Good. You're alive. That's hard enough yeah. to get to that point sometimes. Wonderfully though. But yeah, I mean that's that's going back to exactly how I you know feel when I was like drinking and, and going to parties and things like that is like it's I I absolutely hate when it's like you know I, I got back the next day you know and I wake up and I'm just like man I was really loud yesterday like man I think I took up like too much room or man I think I made some jokes that I don't think anybody would, would like found funny or yeah exactly and I, I think I pissed off a lot of people yeah and just for those of going. you for those of you listening I'm doing a spiral motion with my hand downward because that is exactly the path he's going up an important part of one one of my cognitive behavioral thought processes that I have is that I have set the I set the bar really low cuz growing up my bar was way too high for everything like my expectations for myself not just like other things my expectations for myself were through the roof like and that comes from my parents expectations for me being super high so by extension my expectations for myself were super high but learning in the past year or so to set the bar low 
like really low. Like my baseline is I'm alive. That's pretty low. It's a pretty low baseline. <laughs> oh like, did I? You don't honestly want to really go below that. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> you don't want to go below that line. Yeah. Like, that's a good. It's a good starting point. Like, yeah. you just kind of. I just kind of wake up now and I'm like, I'm alive. Okay. Cool. One step at a time. Maybe. One step at a time. That's yeah. the first step. Is am I alive? Yes. Well, Do I, I need a shower? If you're asking yes. that question. Am I alive? That's a sense of self-awareness that humans have and robots are slowly learning. Yeah. Uh, I don't get into that. But like the, the, that baseline of am I alive, a lot of that, and this is going to sound really hokey, but a lot of that is what solidifies humanity. What solidifies humanity is whether or not you're alive. Because if you're alive, then you can feel. And if you can feel, then you can think. And I if think, you can therefore think, I am. You are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bingo. Descartes. Yep. Thankfully, we didn't put Descartes before the horse. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, I do have one question, if we can include this, possibly. You said that you are possibly going to go off of Prozac yes. and on to something else. Yes. If you could briefly tell us why and what you would be considering. Okay. So the reason why I would be going off of Prozac onto something else, and I don't know exactly what that would be, but the reason, and it's purely a chemical reason. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a, it's not necessarily a psychological reason. Yeah. It's a purely a chemical reason, and it's entirely self-absorbed. In that my body has a tendency to adapt to things really quickly. Mm. So after a while, if I do something repeatedly, it just kind of, my body gets used to it and it's not as effective over a period of time. There are still times when the depressive emotional brain comes forth and that anxiety brain comes forth when ideally by this point, it should be quiet. There should be nothing going there. It's found a way around it. Exactly. My brain has found a way around the, um, there's a neurological term for this, like the the emitter. Uh, I mean, the synapses. The, the synapse, yeah. yeah. The, it's it's found a way to reconnect that synapse yeah. because it's been blocked by something. It's yeah. just found a way to go over that block. That is the chief reason why I want to try to switch to something that maybe either hits one or the other, or maybe just two, like the depression and anxiety mm-hmm. or the post-traumatic stress would be great. Cause boy, I don't like dealing with that. <clears throat> so, are you? Uh, what are you considering doing next? Talking with my psychiatrist, figuring out what mm. I need next. Cause I can continue to advocate for individual therapy and group therapy all I want, but sometimes that's not enough. Yeah. I got. Mm, side note, point of contention. Okay. <laughs> I um, I was at a party recently, obviously sober, and uh, I got I. I was not, I'm not gonna lie, I was kind of bummed out at the, at said party. I was just kind of sitting there on my phone and this guy kind of drunkenly wanders over to me and was, is like, hey, why are you, are you like sad or something? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, clinical depression, but like. <laughs> just to know. And I'm like taking so and so and such pills for that. He's Thank like, you well, for why? Asking. he's like, why aren't you, why aren't you drunk? Like, why aren't you drinking? And I'm like, well, I take Prozac. Because I'm clinically depressed, and he's like, "Pills aren't gonna solve your problems, man. Like, breathe, like, it's pills are not gonna fix it." And I'm like, "You don't think I haven't tried everything else?" Well, I mean, what you gotta do is just 
breathe. Go work out. Breathe. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Eat well. Meditate. Read a self-help book. I've read like 20 by this point. I'm like halfway through the KonMari method, for Pete's sake. That's why you can teach other people the Exactly. <laughs> Not gonna lie, that's kind of what I want to do. Yeah. Um, which is like the, and that's, that really like struck me as kind of a point of contention with the ignorance of pills aren't going to solve your problems, man. And just like, you know, get out and do stuff. I'm like, no, it's not that easy. Yeah. Like I've tried to get out. I've tried to get out and do stuff, but you know what? You know what keeps me stuck in bed? Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am the thing. I mean, yeah. People do. Obviously, people who don't deal with it don't understand that. Of course. But I mean, even people who do deal with it, like you said, we all have different brains. Certain yeah. things will, you know, certain things will fix something for one person that won't fix it for another. I mean, yeah. you'll have two people who are suffering from depression. One person, medication's not really their thing, and they do, they are helped with working out and yoga and meditation, and then you have yeah. another person who it's like, that's not their thing, and for them, the, the pills work you better. Need, you, and exactly, it's, it's, it's an individual, it's very much an individual journey, because as I said before, and as you reset again, everybody's brain is different. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you should ever cross out any, any particular Thing just exactly. because someone else said that doesn't work, um, you know, I, I don't think you should also cross out meditation or breathing mm, or yeah, I'm or not saying out, yeah, but like I've, I've, you should try them all and see which one works best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I have said, it's not that that doesn't work because that does work for some people. It doesn't work for me. There's not one fix all. Bingo. Absolutely. There's not cure alls, cure nothing. I'm very glad that we've we've had this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Insightful and. I, I, I appreciated being on. Yes, thank mm -hmm. you very much. Um, we wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of plug anything. <laughs> to plug things. You can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet at Green Player One. That's uh, G-R-E-E-N-E -E Player One. Is that the English way of spelling green? No. Or did you just add me at the end? I just added an E at the end because it sounded cooler. Because I mean, they added an E. <laughs> that's a that's theater. a that's a backstory. That's a backstory that I'm sure I will get into on whenever I start my YouTube channel. Great. Um, okay, so Green Player One. Yeah, pretty much like YouTube, Twitter, Insta Oh well, my Instagram is different, but my Instagram link is on my Twitter. So um, not hard to find. Just, so the, uh, <laughs> this man is a a wonderful pianist. Mm -hmm. You very good at piano. I I have been playing piano for twenty. Three years now? Which is impressive because you're 20. I'm kidding. <laughs> and, um, I'm actually from the future. Yeah. Um, no, and. Uh, I got bad news. It doesn't get better. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at camera, C A M A R A, flage, F L A G E. And my website is cameraowen.com. Thank you so much. And. Yeah, and my name is Zach, and I am pretty much on all of the interwebs, and Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all those things. You can find me at, at EPSEC, E-P-S-E-C-H, and you can also follow our podcast, Mentality, at, at Mentality Talk. You can find that on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, so then you can get all of the latest updates for our podcast and any other articles that we choose to 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 share including cameras uh blog and all of that <laughs> and all of that stuff and also our guests and the things that they choose to share that way we can kind of 
keep y'all updated on that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We also you. have an email too if you want to email questions to us, which is the same mentality talk at gmail.com. Yes, yes. And you can uh, email us that if you have any questions, any concerns, anything that you want us to talk about or bring up for the next episode. So thank you so much for listening. Yes, thank, thank you, you, so much. you again, Adrian. Thank of you, course. Adrian. This is this is really cool and I'm glad you have this kind of like venue to talk about this kind of thing because we in the mental health world really need this kind of thing. Remind me to have you guys on my show. <laughs> I will definitely, yeah, in the future. Similar, similar concepts, except the roles will be reversed. Yeah, absolutely. We will, you know what we'll do? We'll switch chairs. There you go. That'll be important. I get that chair. Mental, mental.